there's a saying, you know, we can bring the horse to water, but we can't force the horse to drink. Mm, so yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think one of those things to help the society or the community is for each person to be individually responsible for their own mental health. Now, I'm saying this because one of the biggest things that most people, like I mentioned earlier about fear, yeah. there is some kind of avoidance, there's some kind of uh, denial, there could be some form of even ignorance about what it really is. Mm-hmm. And I think it is socially responsible of each individual to read, to find out, right, to know what they're really going through. Hey, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Good Life Podcast with me, Noor. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today, wherever you're at, you know, wherever you're playing this at. It could be at the gym, you could be, you know, cooking your food, on the way commuting to work. Thank you so much for choosing this channel to keep you company. We're truly so happy for the commitment that you put into yourself week after week and we're so grateful for all the love and support that we've gotten from you so keep sharing all the episodes you know keep sharing your insights as well with us we love reading all of them and let's continue to build this conscious community of love and support for one another because every one of your effort matters so thank you so much for allowing us to serve you in this beautiful and meaningful way and in today's episode, we're going to deep dive into the topic of depression. And we have a special guest expert with us on the show who will be bringing us through this topic. He holds a master's degree in counseling with additional training in satire, couples therapy, family systemic therapy, integrated family therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, emotionally focused therapy, and mediation. As a clinician, he has more than 10 years of experience working with children, adolescents, couples, and families in distress. Being an experiential therapist, he believes that people are innately kind and genuinely want to do the best that they can. He journeys with clients in comforting their worst fears, helping them make new sense of their opportunities for growth and tap into the empowerment they have within themselves. He has worked with at-risk youth and their families allowed him to gain insights and understanding into the multi-tiered challenges experienced by youth and their parents. Along the way, he also discovered his passion in restoring and reigniting the connections between couples and families in distress. Helping couples in tension during the stages of divorce is another area of work that he is dedicated to as there is a profound impact to the couple and their children and families which can be eased with timely intervention. And he is none other than Hon Shin who is the founder and psychotherapist therapist from Apple Tree Counseling. Welcome, Honjin. Thank you for having me, Noor. A very good morning to you. Yes, good morning. (laughs) So, you know, in today's topic um, on depression, right, it's something that I feel affects people from all walks of life. Um, no matter their background. And according to the stats by the World Health Organization, depression is something that affects more than 264 million people. And these are the numbers and the ones that they managed to capture in record. And I'm sure, you know, there are a lot more that goes undiagnosed and, you know, unrecorded. So 264 million, that is a Huge number. I think that's approximately like about what, 35% of the total world population? Yep. That is major, you know? And I feel that like, you know, oftentimes we hear this term depression very often. And even more so in conversations, I feel that people just like, you know, loosely just throw this word, oh, I'm depressed, you know, around in conversations. And I feel that this undermines the significance of such a term and such a diagnosis. So what exactly is depression. Depression is a mental illness and it has actually got a devastating impact because it affects every walk of our life. Mm -hmm. You know, if you imagine we are going, doing work, we are interacting with our families, if we are depressed, it is, it permeates everywhere. But 
how does a person know they're depressed or are they just going through a simple low mood, you know, a spate of low moods because they could have lost something in life or they could have experienced certain challenges. I think this this has to do with what the the person themselves knows about themselves. Are mm-hmm. they being honest with themselves? Yeah. And two, are the people around them educated to know what depression is all about? You know, mm. and hopefully through this segment, you know, we might be able to share a little bit more about what depression is about yeah. for the person themselves and for others to find out and to be able to assess them or look at them and see whether they're having depression. Absolutely. Yeah. And what do you think are the factors or what could actually cause someone to, you know, go into depression? Is there, is it possibly due to an event that happened? Is it genetically? So what what are the reasons? Well, I think generally there are many um, depression, there are many causes for depression and it hasn't been pinpointed to one, although there are many factors that could lead a person to depression. Mm-hmm. Part of it could be hereditary or genetic, mm-hmm. you know, or even living with a person who has depression, mm. right? Um, I think if you live with a happy person, you tend to be a little bit more happy. Yeah. You know, it kind of rubs off on you. And if you tend to live with you have somebody you're living with who is depressed or is constantly going through certain struggles, you yeah. tend to also feel more worried. Yes, you know. Yes. So what's the common feeling that you often live with will also shape how you feel about yourself on a long-term basis. Mm. So those who live with depressive people or negative people tend to be more vulnerable. I won't yeah. say they will become depressed, but I do say that they will be more vulnerable to becoming, uh, to becoming depressed. I see. Okay? So vulnerability yeah. is the key word here. So what I'm hearing is that the the environment that they're in, it mm. plays a huge role in determining whether the person will develop the symptoms and will develop depression in the future. Mm. And speaking of environment, you know, right now we are living in a lot of uncertainty and especially um, with the ongoing coronavirus, right, that has officially been declared a pandemic, a global emergency. Yeah. It causes, you know, massive, insane anxiety um, in the society, and the community. So with all these going on, do you see a massive spike in depression because of this? What, what's your take on that? I do believe people get more anxious. Um, definitely the stress is there, you know. I mean, from running out of toilet paper, you know, not yeah. having, you know, the... the, the Cra- crazy buying, food yeah. supplies, you know, the shutdowns of certain cities, travel bans. Mm-hmm. I think people generally are faced with a huge unknown. And I yeah. think one of the greatest factors for anxiety is how do we deal with the unknown. Yeah. Right. And I think people just have to learn to to trust, you know, that things are being put in place. Mm-hmm. Right. And they also need to have better social responsibility personal social responsibility to maintain hygiene, you know, and, you know, keep yourself at home and quarantine yourself if you are not well, see mm-hmm. the doctor, you know, wear a mask. I think these are things that inspire confidence yeah. in other people so that if I see this person taking care of himself, I also feel that maybe, you know, the world is actually looking and doing something. Mm-hmm. But as we see more people being more irresponsible or socially irresponsible, yeah. we, we also tend to feel, you know, what would I, you know, my anxiety goes up. Yeah. You know, so I think, Every, it takes everybody's effort to make this a better, what do you call that, better contained situation, mm-hmm. right? So maybe this is what people should start doing to inspire hope and confidence in, in everybody. Yeah, and mm. you know, like, initially, the government in Singapore was saying that only those who are sick should wear the mask. But mm. a lot of times you see people who are not even sick wearing the mask, and the reason why they're doing that is because they don't trust the people out there, even though they're not sick. But they want to protect themselves from socially irresponsible people who like for example just cough openly sneeze openly without you know covering their mouths or you know not washing their hands and just like smearing the bacteria like everywhere they go right so i feel that yeah it's especially in times of uncertainty right now all the more you know we should be working together as one united friend and not be going against each other you know i've seen crazy videos of like people who are in the supermarkets rushing to get and hoarding you know supplies of like yeah Mm. toilet paper right and you see other people who really need it but they they don't have the access to that because it's out of stock it's out of stock right and you know with the whole like anxiety going on right now and you know especially for those who have existing conditions or existing state of being in anxiety i feel that these are the ones who probably would be prone 
to getting depression, right? So it, it depends on the current state the person is right now. So for those who already do have, you know, issues with managing their stress and anxiety, what would your advice be for these people? I mean, as much as you can tell them to, yeah, you know, try to be positive, but it can only work to a certain extent, you know. I feel that their their brains are like on overdrive. So mm. so how how do you how do you help out these people? Maybe could you share a bit more in terms of I think the importance of boundaries right now, you know, for people because I think a lot of times people they don't realize that they need to set boundaries and limits for themselves so that they they don't allow themselves to go overboard. They don't overwhelm, you know, their their mind like um unnecessarily. So how how do people actually set boundaries for themselves? What is a healthy way to do it? I think the first thing about setting boundaries is in order to know what boundaries you want to set, you've got to get the accurate information. Mm. Without accurate information, I think your fear will set the boundary for you. Oh, yeah. So you are not going to be setting <laughs> your boundaries. Fear is just going to be setting the boundaries for you because there's no limit. you know. Mm. And you know, as we all say, we are Singaporean, typically kiasu, right? <laughs> Singaporean got a few CK, right? Kiasu, kiabo, and kiasi, right? So scared to lose, scared to die, and scared don't have, right? So... I think we need to be informed, really find out from trustworthy sources about what is this virus about, mm-hmm. how is it affecting us on the ground really, Yeah. and what, how are other, I think one of the good, good gauges is how, is how are trustworthy sources dealing with this virus? Mm. Don't look at what social media or the rest of the world is doing because it's very individual. Yeah. But if you look at what big bodies are doing or what trusted sources are doing, respectable places like governments, hospitals, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Use a bit of common sense, right? I think we should be able to find where is the middle ground and yeah. where how can we set the boundary that best fits us. Mm. Essentially, what works for you. Mm. And I was also thinking of another important aspect, which is something on self-care. Right, you know, we talk a lot about, yeah, the importance of self-care, taking care of yourself. And I feel that even more so right now, this is the time you should be taking good care of yourself. You know, good good care of, you know, your physical body and making sure that your immune system is, you know, working and functioning really well. Because that is the last line of defense right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like eating good food, having like, you know, physical, enough physical activity, you know, which helps to boost your, you know, endorphins and making sure that you are on generally positive uh, mood, right? So what what are other examples of like self-care that one can also practice in times like these? As a new mom or as a seasoned mom, preparing for motherhood is such a beautiful thing. However, sometimes when it comes to planning for your child's financial needs, it can be pretty stressful. The thing is, it may not be a stressful situation if you plan and take action early. At MFA Group, they offer a wide suite of bundle plans catered to your needs and your child's needs, from a savings plans for your child's education to personal accident plans that cover illnesses such as dengue fever, hand, foot and mouth disease, and any injury that kids are prone to, and even protection for expecting moms. So to make sure that you and your family are better protected, don't wait any further. Schedule a free session with the MFA Group team at www www.mfag.sg backslash home or visit the social media platforms at mfagsg. I think most of the, the the best way of self-care is really to first take care of your body, mm-hmm. right? Your lifestyle needs to do some changes because of what's happening outside today. Most of the time when we are in doubt, I think especially in times of doubt or in times of distress, yeah. you know, I think one of the greatest self-care is to speak to trusted people, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, um, I mean, friends are there, but sometimes it's always good to have a change of people who give you a different perspective, mm. right? So you don't get the same, you know, I don't know, the same perspectives all the time. And yeah. it helps to broaden your mind. Mm-hmm. Now that that alone changes the way your mind thinks. Yeah. So if we are de- dealing with depression, for example, yeah. If I'm hearing the same story over and over again and it's making me depressed, yeah. What do you think you want to do to make yourself feel feel not depressed? Mm-hmm. So you want to try to listen to something or hear get an opinion that's different, and maybe it might just open up that. 
Mm. Okay, you don't get a different result by doing this and listening to the same thing over and over again. Yeah. We want to hear different things. We want to see and try different things, and maybe out of that, you might find a solution, or mm-hmm. you might find something that elevates you from your depression. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, of course, it has to be trusted and it has to be accurate. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. So you know, let's let's go into this um, next point. You know, I was also. Reading on a recent study um, by IMH Institute of Mental Health in December 2019, and they found that young adults, especially between the age of like 18 and 34, they are more likely to have experienced mental health distress, such as bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, alcohol abuse, and obsessive compulsive disorder. Why is it? That it's that particular age group, eighteen and thirty-four, that is so vulnerable to such mental health issues. I think partly because of age, right? Um, being young, they are starting out. It's 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 just a life stage. It's not nothing wrong being eighteen to thirty-four. It's just mm-hmm. that at that life stage, they just happen to be at a stage where they are, you know, just leaving the nest, starting their careers, establishing themselves in life, maybe starting a family. Um, and it's just very challenging, mm-hmm. right now. They may also lack certain resources, yeah. right? And you know,、um, experience in life, or 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 the know how how to find help, or how to manage certain challenges in their life.、Mm-hmm. This makes them a little bit more vulnerable, right?、Um, to maybe getting depression, and, yeah. And when you talk about things like alcoholism and things like that, these are all the results and the consequences of not being able to manage what causes their、mm. causes them to be depressed. Yeah. So rather than looking at the symptoms and the outcome and the consequences of depression, mal coping, you know, and then getting mental disorders like bipolar and schizophrenia, we want to look at what is it that the young person from the eighteen to thirty-four year age is not able to cope with,、mm. right? So one of the things for young people to think about is not about oh, will I get depression? Will I get bipolar? Will I get, you know, mal cope? Yeah. But it's really about asking. What am I not able? What are the challenges I'm not able to cope with today?、Mm-hmm. And if I can deal with that, chances are I don't think I'll be so anxious, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe that's a way to start thinking about depression rather than to keep looking at the depression is like a conclusive diagnosis, and therefore、mm. you are depressed. Yeah. Full stop. You know. Yeah. And then、yeah. I need to be treated. Yeah. Why don't we look at what am I not able to manage? Yeah, that that is a good point because I think a lot of times. the the lack of the ability to be able to manage the emotions in in an effective way, it it actually results in all these you know tension that's being built up, and that's why you know people suffer from all these you know mental health issues, right? And this this thing I hear like a lot mindfulness. It's、mm. something that you hear a lot. In the space of mental health, people are practicing, like for example, through yoga, they do like you know deep breathing. There are also a group of people who are also kind of skeptical about you know the mindfulness technique and of being in the zone and whether can you really get the mind to be in the zone and really feel what you know the the present moment right now. So, what would you say to those skeptics out there or those who are hesitating?、Mm. Yeah. I think when you talk about mindfulness, it is a very helpful,、uh, maybe a tool or technique.、Mm-hmm. But I think it comes down to the person practicing it. Can you actually be honest with yourself that what you're going through? Yeah. You know, and most of the time, I think out of fear, you、yeah. know, maybe people are afraid I'm not good enough. Of,、uh, I I'm afraid that people might judge me.、Mm-hmm. You know, so even when they, you know, can can honestly tell themselves, yeah, you know, I'm really not good enough in my job.、Mm-hmm. But I don't want to show that in front of my boss. Yeah. And even though I mindfully know that, I may not want to disclose that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that causes a lot of anxiety. Yes, absolutely. Now maybe you just have to be honest with yourself. Yeah, maybe I'm really not good in my job. I'm really not good enough. So be it. Let me work from there as my starting point and get better.、Mm. Rather than let the fear of people judging me control me and paralyze me. And I will never get better. I'll probably get worse. Yeah. Why not just tell myself? Nobody needs to know this. Okay, it's just between you and yourself. You tell yourself, yeah, I think maybe my boss is right. Maybe my my friends are right. Maybe I'm not good enough. But let me start being better tomorrow.、Mm. Let me start being better today. And then I don't have to be paralyzed by the fear of not being good enough. Yeah. That again elevates your anxiety, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. face it, rather than run from it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So you you, I mean, for a start, you can really just be honest with yourself to mm-hmm. say, yeah, I'm 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 really as good as I can be today, or if I'm really not good, I really messed up in my job or messed up in whatever it is today. Just own it. Mm-hmm. That alone elevates your anxiety. That alone stops you from going further into the depression track. Mm. Okay. When we can take responsibility and accountability for what we are going through at that moment in time, we can then deal with it better. Mm. Rather than avoid it or blame something else or blame someone else, yeah, we will. We we. It's harder for us to recover from that. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm hearing is, is that acceptance of the state that you're in right now is yep. not being in denial, because I I do see a lot of cases where people why they do not get the help that they need is because they are in denial mm-hmm. of what they are going through. Like for example, you know, um, addicts, right? It's something that you hear often. It's not easy for you to actually hear from the addicts themselves that yeah, you know, I have an addiction issue. A lot of them will tell you that no, you know, this this is just a phase. I'm ju- I'm just going through something, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not addicted. I'm not an addict. And I feel that that powerful realization that yes, I am going through something right now. It is a huge first step to getting the help and the healing that you need for yourself. Right, and I also want to talk about another thing, especially um, in this day and age, about the increasing use of technology and social media, and especially for the younger kids. Um, do you think that that is also one of the issues that is actually causing the increase in the number of depression, especially in the the, the younger age group? I can't tell for for sure, but I do know one thing for sure about social media is that there is. I mean, with the with the youth I work with, right? We talk about younger younger people. We're talking about primary schoolers, secondary schoolers, mm-hmm. um, the tertiary, the JC kids, the university kids. Now, one of those things about social media is that it is on twenty four seven. Yeah. Now, if you if you go, I mean, just browsing through it, you will realize that people put post on social media a lot of happy things. Yeah. <laughs> so, is it really true that everybody's life is that happy? All the time. <laughs> All the time, 24-7. Now, if I happen to be unhappy about my life and mm-hmm. I'm on social media all the time, yeah, I think the effect is really amplified because the whole world seems to be happy going to places, travel photographs, you know, new bags, new cars, new yeah. things. And why am I the only person in this room sitting here being so unhappy with my life? Does, does it make you feel very shameful of your, your your negative emotions that you're feeling within? It amplifies that, actually. And a lot of young people, because they are just like, you know, still learning, going, starting up in life, going through school. Yeah. They have not really come to understand that life isn't just like that. Mm. And when they start seeing social media, they, they probably believe that that is really what life is. Mm. Now, even if they don't believe it, the very fact that it's staring at them 24-7, yeah. it just makes them feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel so good. Yeah. You know, so this is maybe another another point about what boundaries you, you were talking about. Yeah. That maybe parents should help their children and educate their children, mm-hmm. right? Or the young person should realize for themselves that maybe I should not believe everything I read on and watch on social media, yeah. but I learn to discern what is there. Yeah. How much of it is really true? Are people really that happy? All the time. Twenty-four-seven, <laughs> days a year. Yeah. You know, I read somewhere that they said the most posted thing on social media is actually travel photos. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like you see your friends in an exotic place, yeah. you know, and you wonder yourself, why am I not there too? Yeah. Why am I stuck in this job right now? Why am I stuck here and not there? <laughs> why am I working here so hard? Yeah. You know, when my friends are having a yeah. holiday. Now, this adds on, and it starts to shape who who or what they think they are sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And if they're not strong or resilient emotionally, yeah. they might believe it's real and that really will get to them. Mm. Yeah. It is It is even more true for those um, so-called less fortunate, you know, uh, people who, who are maybe facing financial crisis at mm-hmm. home or they may be facing violence or they could be facing some kind of adversity and challenges at yeah. home. And the, the, the gap becomes huge. Yeah. So people tend to start becoming more vulnerable in these kind of situations. Yeah. It, it, I think it really amplifies what they're missing in their life yeah. instead of them actually identifying what they are currently blessed with. Mm. And it boils down to um, the concept of unhealthy comparisons. Yes. Right? Um, and, and on this topic of unhealthy comparisons, I mean, other than, um, you know, 
restricting time that you have on social media, what do you think it is uh, something that is important to ensure that people do not go down that rabbit hole of unhealthy comparisons and then they end up feeling so depressed and so miserable about their own lives? I think one of the things that makes a person very vulnerable on social media is the very fact that they are looking at it alone. Ah, tell us more about that. Because, I mean, how many of you say, hey, come, you know, let's all of us look at this Facebook page together. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Most yeah. of you will be doing it on a commute to work, yeah, you know, yeah. in the toilet, you know, somewhere in a car, you know, or you're waiting for someone in a bus stop. Yes. You'll be watch- reading social media and chances are you are alone. Mm. Now, experientially, if you look at that, it's me alone versus everybody else in the whole wide world on the social media that seems to be having a good time. Yeah. How does that make me feel? It amplifies the fact that, you know, I kind of am not quite there yet or I'm there's a big gap. Why am mm-hmm. I not getting or being in the same place or enjoying the same things my f- people on social media are doing? If you do that, let's say you work, what, 250 days a year? Mm-hmm. How many times are you repeating that message to yourself? Wow. It's yeah. I'm alone 250 days of the time versus the rest of the world. And not, that's not including the time you go home, you know, before you sleep, you're on your social media. Yeah. You're usually in that physical presence of being alone and looking at something that is much bigger than you. Mm, yeah. It's, it's it, you, you just can't help but compare sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes this is where we need to really take a step back. Mm-hmm. right? I, I do realize that many parents are struggling with their children who are on social media. Right, and sometimes when the parents want to connect with them, the children are more interested in what's on their social media than connecting with the parents. Yeah. How do we stop people from going down this, you know, rabbit hole of depression, you know, by, you know, getting too engrossed in social media? Yeah. So if you know doing this is going to cause you to go down depression, what is the opposite thing to do? Not Get, do not do it. Not do it. Okay, so But is it as simple as that though? Just sometimes not do it. I think it is. It's a matter of whether you have the courage and whether you want to do it or not. Now, let me ask you, would you have coffee with your friend? In person? Yeah. Yeah. I think you would, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, what's stopping you from saying, hey, let me put down my phone, on, let me put down my social media, pick up my phone and call my friend and let's meet for coffee. Even a phone conversation is better than social media because you're actually talking you're getting real life responses mm. you're actually connecting with somebody over the telephone yeah. i mean ideally it'd be always good to do face to face yeah you know right now there is a part of us that's pretty um we are social beings we are mammals yes right we do need connections with people and that's how we were born to be we were not born out of eggs <laughs> Right, we. I mean, yeah. technically speaking, we were not born out of eggs and left to fend for ourselves like turtles, you know. And yeah. we were born and we were we were raised by by parents, mm-hmm. right? Like like most mammals do, and that is a form of nurturance and that is a form of social community that even animal mammals have. Mm-hmm. Now, what that what makes us any different, right? Does it mean it can be replaced with social media where we feel we are connected with so many people? Can you, can you feel warmth being touched by social media, by your phone? Mm. I don't think so. Can anything replace a hug? Imagine that, right? And this is where I think we need to go back to our roots and look at what is real and how can we reconnect with people who really can touch us and yeah. make that difference in our lives. Mm. Now, these are the, also the people who are also going to safeguard you from depression. Now, nobody's able to see your face and how you feel on social media. But if you meet up face-to-face, chances are you might have a chance that your friend might see whether you're depressed or not. Yeah. That, again, is a protective factor. I, I think I, I like what you said about you know us being social creatures, right? We were born that way. And, and especially if you know that you are very prone to um, be immersed in a lot of negativity within all the more you need to have you know people around you that you can depend on people that you can talk to where they they get you Mm -hmm. right that they get you that they know that you are going through something and they can kind of help you and navigate you out of that pool of negativity and I really resonate with that because there's there have been times where, you know, I'm on my phone like 24-7, e- either like, you know, replying to emails or on social media. And especially we have our own Good Life Podcast social media and, you know, I create content for that. So I, I can feel the difference after a day of just being just immersed in technology 
and very minimal human uh, to human connection, I feel very off. I feel that I feel kind of something is like missing within. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's where I know that, hey, I think I've not had my dose of that social connectedness for the day. And I think that's where the part about the self-check-in, the part about being self-aware of what you are feeling each time you engage in something or a platform. Like, for example, you're using social media or you're watching TV. If it you are feeling not okay, you're feeling that something is off, not your usual self, then you probably need to kind of reevaluate like what you're doing right now and try to do something new. Mm-hmm. You know, like insanity is when you keep doing the same old thing again and again, but then you're expecting something different, you know, to come out of it. So it's about being really aware of what is happening within you when you are immersed in whatever environment that you're in. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you're not able to do that, I think a simple tip is smile at five people uh-huh. Right, every day, make it just your your basic practice every day. Yeah, the homework task every day that you do. Smile at five people. Yeah. Right. I think that does wonders by itself. Ooh, I I love this this thing on smiling. You know, just this morning yeah. I was going for a jog, and on my way to go to the park, I um um I think one of the the helpers from the house she was outside like gardening, mm-hmm. and she just like smiled at me and said good morning, and yeah. I, I I smiled back and I was like good morning, and that just made my morning i felt instantly so happy you know so so like don't ever underestimate you know the act of a smile yeah right (laughs) i think that that, simple things like that that's what human connection is about and i think that's what's what drives us and gives us certain positivity you know the more people you smile at the more people smile back at you the more you feel good about yourself yeah i think that is one very simple safeguard against depression by itself Mm. you know you start your day you know for you you started your day in the morning jogging and you say hey you know the first thing in my morning i felt so good about myself yeah how do you think it's going to carry down the the the, the day for you you probably will feel more energized you know but if you're alone and you start your day alone i don't know how happy your day is going to be isn't it so yeah the more we do things that make us feel happy, yeah. right? And most of these things, in fact, all of these things that make us the happiest are free. Mm, yes. You know, smiling at people, saying hi, good morning. Saying how thank are, you notes. Thank you. Know, you. Thank you notes, yeah. You know, it just makes people feel good. Yeah. And you feel good about yourself saying a thank you and a please, you know, and, yeah. and, and smiling at people. You feel good being able to do that yourself. Yeah. So why aren't we doing that more? Yeah, absolutely. I think more, more can be done. More can be done. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking... You know, for people who are in a state of depression, does it happen overnight or does it, you know, take a period of time before someone can say that, yeah, you know, I have depression? How, how does it work? I think to begin with, um, the word, as you've mentioned earlier, depression, I think it's loosely used. Mm. You know, I've seen teenagers come, oh, they tell their mom, you know, because of exam stress, I'm depressed. I am depressed, yeah. You know, but the next moment <laughs> you see them, they're happily going out with their friends, you know. And I think it's a term that's loosely used. And I think that is one of the biggest dangers by itself. People yeah. are self-diagnosing. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's best to get a professional to diagnose that if you really think you're depressed. Mm-hmm. Although there are symptoms that are similar and those should be a, a, a sign for you to say that maybe I should start talking to somebody now before it gets worse. Mm-hmm. But the the the, the, ca- the the caution is really about labeling or concluding that someone is depressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you don't have to be depressed to see somebody about it. Mm. And that's my point. The point is before you become depressed, when you are showing signs of being depressed, go talk to somebody to elevate that. Yeah. So that you really don't become depressed. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah. People say, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. Yeah, it's like confirmation bias. You mm. look out for things that actually confirms what you actually believe in. If you believe you're depressed, then, yeah. And they tend to do things that make them co- more depressed. Yeah. And finally, when they really cannot manage it and they go and see a psychiatrist or a doctor about it, mm-hmm. and the doctor says, yes, you are depressed. Then they say, see? I told you. I told you. I think talking to It's yourself, kind of I like, told I told myself so, yeah. so right? <laughs> yeah. But I think the way to look at it is, let us not go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Let us start and say, when I'm feeling upset, depressed, anxious, let me talk to somebody. And that's the time to talk to your friends, your family and close ones. Mm-hmm. And if they still can't talk you out of it, then you need to look for somebody that, hey, I really need to seek professional help. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong in seeking professional help because sometimes you just need that. 
Mm, yeah. Okay, a neutral party, a different perspective. That is where it starts. Now, how does it go further? When you don't find the right help, you just get worse. Some people can, it can happen in, in, in a day. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a person could lose their job, for example. Yeah. Their whole livelihood, they have a family to, def- to, to, to feed and they have, they have to provide the commitments. Mm-hmm. And that sudden loss can be very traumatizing and can be very um, severe for a person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes losing a job or losing a loved one or some, some crisis in life could lead to acute depression. Mm-hmm. Right? And a person could just fall from the top right to the bottom. Wow. Very, very quickly. Okay. Right. So those are things we couldn't see. We can't see. And when that happens, chances are you should just go straight to seek a professional help. Mm-hmm. Now, what about long-term, you know, or chronic depression where people have been putting up with things? You yeah. know, they put up with a lot of stresses in their daily life, you know, bad bosses, uh, bad, bad situations in life, you know, I don't know, just even a bad day consistently, right? What stopped them from actually seeking help or talking to somebody about it is mm-hmm. actually the fear, right? And sometimes that fear is the one that causes the prolonged depression or the prolonged environment and situations that cause a person to go down depression. What fear are we talking about? Now, fear of not being good enough, fear of what would people say about me if they knew I was depressed, mm-hmm. fear about... If I'm depressed, does it mean I'm not perfect? Mm-hmm. Fear of if I'm depressed, you know, I'm not, I'm not as good as what people think I should be. Now, these are social expectations, family expectations, even job expectations, or even self-imposed personal expectations that if a person doesn't look at honestly, they will tend to believe that this is what drives them. Mm, yeah. And when they don't fulfill that, when they don't meet those expectations, the automatic fear is that I'm not good enough about it. Yeah. And what happens is that they will tend to be more vulnerable to be to be depressed. Now, in that process of trying of, of trying to fend off the fear, you know, inverted commas, they put up a front that I'm strong and I'm coping with it. Mm. The truth of reality is they're probably not coping very well, but they're just forcing themselves to just function mm. in a depressive state. Yeah. And that is actually even more dangerous because it's like you're running, you're, you're, you're a candle burning on two ends, mm-hmm. right? So if you are burning on the inside or the back end and you have to face the front end, which is stressful, I think you will go down to depression pretty fast. Mm. Are, are these the high-functioning depression individuals? Um, yeah, probably. You can call them high-functioning depression, but I mean, to me, depression is depression. Yeah, It's just that these people, maybe they... I mean, I don't blame some of them sometimes, and I do think life situations sometimes can put them in that place. I mean, if you have three kids to feed, and mm-hmm. you're a single parent, and you have to do two jobs, yeah, sometimes you just tell yourself, I don't have time for depression, I need to get a job and feed my kids. You need to put on, on a strong front for yeah. your kids, right? You know, and this is time, I think, where society and the community can actually reach out and help, mm-hmm. right? And I think these people should also reach out to the community to ask for help, because it's a bit difficult when a person is put under that kind of situation and yeah. they don't have the resources. Yeah. Right. And that's the time you really need to... F- community really should help in, chip in and help. How how can the society and the community come in to help, you know, these individuals win? You know, as you said, um, a lot of times they tend to put on the mask that everything is okay. So, you know, when they face people, when they go to work, people, it's hard for them to identify that something is amiss because... It seems normal. They are putting on, you know, a normal friend as though nothing is happening. So how do we help them if we, it's from the onset, it's so hard for for us to even identify. I think in Singapore, there's generally a lot of help for mental health. You know, there's a lot of uh, places like, you know, CHAT, IMH, you know, SOS, you know, Mm. family service centers. The government has got many initiative, youth mental health networks going on. But there's a saying, you know, we can bring the horse to water, but we can't force the horse to drink. Mm, so yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think one of those things to help the society or the community is for each person to be individually responsible for their own mental health. Now, I'm saying this because one of the biggest things that most people, like I mentioned earlier about fear, yeah. there is some kind of avoidance, there's some kind of uh, denial, there could be some form of um, even ignorance about what it really is. Mm-hmm. And I think it is socially responsible of each individual to re- to find out, right, to know what they're really going through. 
Now, I mean, if you want to think of it in in terms of sickness, for example, you know, yeah, when you when you have a headache, you have a stomach ache, and all these things, do you know what's going on? You <laughs> might not. Now, who do you go to? You go to a GP. <laughs> you go to a GP. You go and yeah. see a doctor, right? Now, mental health. If you think about it, depression is a mental health. If you think about it in that sense, there are signs and symptoms, but I think many people are just avoiding or choosing to deny them,、mm-hmm. right? It just because it doesn't affect me physically. Sometimes it does, right? It doesn't mean that it does not affect you.、Mm. Now, what is scary about mental health is that it can actually go undetected, or it can be coped with, and not eradicated for a long time before real symptoms or real dysfunction actually happens. Is it like a silent killer? Yes, <laughs> you know. So if we look at it and we are not、uh, aware about it, we're not honest with ourselves. Yeah. Or, You know how how happy am I, or how how well adjusted am I? Yeah, we could be a ticking time bomb.、Mm. Now, many many clients who seek counseling at the end of the day,、um, they do it as a last resort. Yeah, you know, and if people could actually come forth earlier and resolve it, it may not seem like much at that point in time, but actually, that's what you just need.、Mm-hmm. Rather than wait for it to become a, a full blown dysfunction before you come and seek counseling, and then a lot more. Work has to be done. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and this is something to. It's it's just an a a mint an an upkeep of your own mental health.、Mm-hmm. Do the things that keep you happy. You know, do the things that、uh, protect you from depression.、Mm-hmm. You know, have that one coffee a day with your friends. Smile five at five. Smile at five people a day. These are things to as an upkeep for、yeah. your own mental health. You know, we we need to do that. We、yeah. exercise to keep our bodies fit. What do we do to keep ourselves happy?、Mm. Right, it's、yeah. no, it's no different. Yeah. Right. Going for counseling, seeking professional help, it's something that should not be seen as an afterthought, right? And people should see it as a priority and not wait till things get really bad for them to actually only then you know start seeking help for for themselves. So I I have with me like a list of common myths that we hear about depression. Tend to be specific, and I'm gonna read through each statement, and you know, share with us your take on these. So the first, depression is a sign of weakness. What do you say to that? I I, I disagree. I mean, depression is like a flu or a cold.、Mm-hmm. You know, unless you choose to be depressed and choose to make yourself sick. You know, I don't think depression is a choice.、Mm. I think it's circumstantial. It could be genetic, but none of it is your choice. So don't blame yourself to begin with. Just find the right help. Yeah, powerful. Okay, number two, depression will go away by itself. Sometimes it does, but I always think it's always good to be proactive. And this is the time to be kiasu. Okay, if you're Singaporean, ah,、uh, be proactive. Go and get yourself well, and don't wait for things to get well by themselves. So you you definitely need、um, professional help for you to be able to get through something like that. Something as serious as that. Professional help is always there. Of course, tap on your own resources first.、Mm. You know, sometimes all you need is just a friend to cry with you if you're depressed. Yeah. You know, when when you're upset about something, you just need somebody to just be there with you, and then you say, "Hey, life's not that bad after all," and you don't go so depressed. Yeah. Right. I don't want your. I don't want people to think that. Oh, I'm upset, so I must go and see a counselor. I must go and see a psychiatrist all the time. You know, we don't need to do that. Tap on your social resources first, because sometimes that's all you need. Your friends, your family, you know, a trusted loved one, even a a close confidant or colleague, you know, that you trust can actually elevate a lot of that.、Mm. You know, talking to your parents about your work related stuff may not be as good as talking to your boss about it if you trust your boss.、Mm-hmm. You know, and this could be how you can actually manage things better. Okay. Yeah. Good one. Number three, depression cannot be treatable. Depression is treatable, right?、Um, it is treatable with medication and also with therapy and a healthy dose of good social support.、Mm-hmm. You know, there are very rare cases of depression that cannot be treated, right? These are usually comorbid with other types of mental disorders,、mm-hmm. right? And that that is usually due to a chemical imbalance, and they might just need more medication and more treatment,、mm-hmm. or very very severe cases. But I would say most most depression can be treated if they are found early and if they are actually treated early. Mm-hmm. What would you classify as something that's early or mild? How will you know that it has gone to the state of it being acute? Again, I go back to so personal social responsibility. Are you feeling happy most of the time? 
Mm, okay. Okay. I think a simple check to ask yourself is: be totally honest, brutally, bluntly honest with yourself. Okay. Am I happy most of the time? Now I don't expect you to have a hundred percent. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you can say I'm seventy percent happy most of the time, I think I'm pretty safe, or I'm less vulnerable to depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, so this is a, a bit a daily self check again that you you might be able to do for yourself. Mm, yeah, you know. Secondly, you might want to ask yourself: Do I have somebody I could talk to on a daily basis? Yep. That I could share what I'm up- upset about. Yeah. I think that's another one thing that you can check with yourself to say: Hey, maybe I need to find that friend yeah. or that person because I just need somebody to help me. Yeah, you, know? you need to have your go-to people. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I I do know. There's some people who have their go-to tub of ice cream, you know, or their go-to <laughs> tub of, of 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 whatever it is. And I think that that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, because it you you might end up with like binge binge eating or eating yeah. disorders. Yeah, right. That there must be a person. Okay? Yeah, I think the keyword is we are social beings. We don't we don't relate with ice cream. We relate with people. Yeah, so find that one person. Yeah, so I think at the end of the day. Whatever you're doing, it boils down to your intention of doing it. If you're doing it to run away from the realities of your life, you're doing it to numb the emotions that you're feeling. Then it calls for you to kind of reevaluate what you know, whatever you're tapping, um, you know, on that platform for, right? Mm. So okay, let's go on to myth number four. Talking about my depression will make it worse. Um, absolutely not. If you're talking with somebody whom you trust and somebody who knows. You know who genuinely cares for you. Mm-hmm. I think the the one of the insights about depression is many people feel that the world doesn't care about me, mm-hmm. or people don't care about me. If you have one person who genuinely cares for you, I believe that there is some way that something might happen, and something this person will do that will be able to help you. Because even if this person really can't help you, this person would have referred you to seek help. Yeah. And I think that is the greatest help sometimes that we, we we can actually do for our loved ones and friends, right? If I don't know what to do with this person or my loved one who's depressed, can I bring this person or flag my my loved one up for to to seek help? Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that would help my loved one to go to find find help. Mm. Most people who are depressed will not even want to leave their homes. Most yeah. people who are depressed won't even want to seek help. But if I could bring this person to seek help. I think this person, this person will find it easier to seek help, and chances of getting help and treated would actually be higher. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe just a simple um, three little things that you want to look out for in in talking about wh- whether to talk about depression. We must never avoid talking about depression or what what causes us to be depressed. Mm-hmm. We must not be in denial of it, and we must not be ignorant about it. Mm. I think these are the three things that further perpetuate or aggravate depression. Yeah. Right, so the faster you find somebody you can talk to, the faster you find professional help who can help you, and face it. I think the faster you recover. Yeah, mm. great advice. <clears throat> okay, moving on to the fifth myth: depression is only brought upon by a traumatic event. Sometimes, right? Um, as I mentioned earlier about you know people in crisis, mm-hmm. you know, or people having transitions. Um, it can be it can be brought about by traumatic events. Yeah. Okay, let's look at myth number six. Everyone experiences depression in the same way. Well, I think just as all human beings are different, I think everybody experiences depression differently. Mm-hmm. We are all brought up in a different culture. We are all brought up with different upbringing. We live in experience. We're in a different life stage. You know, so our age, our gender, our culture, our personality, our who we are as a person inside our inner resources, inner resilience, mm-hmm. right? Our support systems, right? Our geography, even our climate could change the way we we experience depression. Mm-hmm. You know, how ready is the community willing to help us? That also affects our depression. Mm. You know, so these are some of those things. You know, even social social economic status. You know, if I have if I have the resources to seek medical help, I might feel that hey, I could. I'm not so badly affected. If I don't even have the resources to seek professional help, then where can I go? Now that's another worry and and, and source of 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 a cause for depression for me. Mm, yeah, yeah, good one. And yeah, I guess like those who actually experience depression, they get into that state due to different factors that actually are happening around them right now. Yes. Let's look at myth number seven. Only women get depressed. 
Um, that is absolutely not true. Men do get depressed too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just go to a hospital and uh, or mental hospital, IMH, for example, do you only see female clients there? I'm sure not, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure yeah. you see men, you see women, you see children, you see adults, uh, elderly as well, mm-hmm. right? So I think to 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 just make it make it simple, I think everybody experiences depression. It's just how many of them actually seek help. Right, I don't, it's not it's not a it's not a it's not a gender gender bias here. It's not it's not about oh men are more depressed or women. It is not important actually. Mm. The fact of the matter is when people or human beings are depressed, they need to seek help. Mm, yeah. Right, it doesn't matter whether you're male, female, whether you're young, you're adult, or you're an elderly. We just need to seek help. Yeah, because like at, at the end of the day, you're a human being. Yeah. Right, and if you're struggling emotionally, mentally, you need to seek help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now. One of the things that makes it a little bit harder is the willingness to seek help or the willingness to identify yourself to say, yeah, maybe talking to somebody might make me feel better. Who gets depressed, whether it's male or female, I think the myth is that everyone, to debunk the myth, I think it's everyone, irregardless of age, gender, but has the possibility of getting depressed. But sometimes it's hard to tell because they manifest the symptoms differently. Mm-hmm. The way they seek help is also different. Okay, so point in check, I think, is really for the person to be socially responsible to just say that, hey, maybe talking to somebody might give me an insight whether I, I need to seek help or not. Okay, myth number eight, a person will develop depression if his family has it. Well, I think um, to debunk that myth is, while it is possible that a person will get depression because they are living with a person who is depressed, the, mm-hmm. the chances are definitely higher, right? Like I, I was mentioning earlier, you know, if, if you live with happy, positive people, Right, and they make you feel positive and happy. Chances are you will not be in, you will not get depression so easily. Yeah. But if you're living with negative people and you're constantly being, you know, living with depression, uh, people with depression or some some kind of negativity, you become more vulnerable. Mm. Right. So I think the keyword we're looking at is not whether you will, or you will not be, but what are my chances or what's my vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Now, if it's high, then look at what are the more what are the better protective factors for yourself. Myth number nine: keeping busy cures depression. Okay, three keywords: avoidance, denial, and ignorance. Okay, <laughs> if keeping busy is a form of avoidance, chances are you're really gonna go and and get depressed. Okay, mm-hmm. I think it's about facing it and being being honest with it. Okay, I mentioned a lot of times in this is about honesty because one of our greatest fears and what keeps depression alive is us avoiding it, ignoring it, yeah. right? And even being in denial of it. Better be safe than sorry. Talk to somebody about it. Okay, good advice. Myth number nine. People with depression always seem sad or show obvious symptoms. Well, this is also not true because there are many people who can function even with depression, but it doesn't mean that they are well. It mm-hmm. just means that they are functioning when they are unwell. They're, they're, they're abusing their mental state. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just like when you're sick and you go to work, you're abusing your physical body. Now, if you have depression and you function well and go to work, you're just abusing your mental state. Mm. Think about it that way. Good point. Okay. So, um, you know, depression, right, is something that can affect anyone. And you know, especially if it's something that happens in a family, it can really change the dynamics uh, of how the relationship, the quality of relationship is going to turn out. So I have three scenarios where in each scenario, depression is something that affects a different member of the family. Um, can you share with us what challenges do you often see in these different dynamics? So the first is in intimate relationships where the partner is facing depression so what challenges do you commonly see in couples where one of them is actually going through depression i think in general the couples that we see when we when we when we deal with them in their depression or if one partner has a depression mm-hmm. is the partner tends to keep it to themselves because they don't want to feel that they are burdening the other partner and this often leads to them trying to put up a front you know them trying to be high functioning per se when they're actually suffering. Mm-hmm. The the truth of the matter is actually, if you live with somebody close enough, sometimes you can tell, and most often than not, you can pick up signs. Yeah. Now, how do you think this partner who cares about you experiences you not telling him or her something? They tend to be worried. They tend to also wonder, you know, why are you not trusting me, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going through depression? 
and it manifests you know it, it kind of cascades okay things don't happen like a snapshot it's kind of like a video you know it cascades down it it, it unfolds and the, the 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 caring partner the caregiver tends to feel that why don't you trust me that you're going through something and you're not you're not trusting me to tell me about it yeah this makes that partner feel that am i useless am i helpless am i not able to do anything to make my spouse happy mm-hmm. so on on one hand the person feels i'm a burden the other person the the, the the caregiver then feels that i'm unable to help now this is a loose loose situation isn't it now why don't we think differently and say, if I have a problem, let me be honest with my spouse and tell you know I think I'm getting I think I'm getting depression or I think I'm coming down with depression, mm-hmm. and let the spouse go and find out and be able to help include that spouse in helping you go through depression. So for the depressed person or the person going through depression, be brave to ask for help. Don't see yourself as a burden because you will really be a burden if your partner cannot help you and doesn't know what to do with you. The person who is the caregiver, right, is to look at your spouse and say that, hey, this depression is not her choice or his choice. This per- my spouse is just going through depression and I need to find out more what is causing it and how can I really help. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that is the most ideal way of, more practical way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Not to be within yourself and think what's happening and second guessing each other. Yeah. Because that causes the person to feel even more distressed and that might even worsen the depression. Mm. Good advice. Okay, let's look into the second scenario. So okay. it's between a parent okay. and a child ah. where the child is going through the depression. Now, the pretty similar to the first case, it's just that there is a slight difference in terms of the power difference mm-hmm. and the amount of resources that a child has or life experience that a child has in dealing with depression. Now, what could happen is that the, the child feels depressed and the parent might feel, if the parent is aware and informed, the parent will then know my child's going through depression and they'll be able to nurture and support the child. If the parent themselves do not know what depression is about, yeah. they might think that the child is acting up attention seeking or misbehaving and they might come with an expectation that the child behaves himself mm-hmm. right or the child you know I, I do know of some students who have depression and they, do, they don't want to go to school so parents see that or oh, are you trying to have you know avoid school play truant you know school refusal yeah. and they become quite quite punitive or they become quite um, harsh with their children without realizing maybe their child is going through depression mm-hmm. so I think that that, that that root cause could be ignorance mm-hmm. Right or they're not looking at it the right way. Children then feel that while I'm looking for help and support, all I'm getting is tons of expectation that I cannot meet. Mm. And this overburdens the child and it actually pushes them further into depression. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of those things is when, you're, when your child is showing signs of depression, please spend more time and attention on them. Yeah. Put the expectations aside because children don't have the power to go against you sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're a parent, you know, think about your child. Think about you being the child. I think, I think one tip I'll give to parents is put yourself in your child's shoes. Okay? Imagine yourself being the child and having depression and facing you yourself. Do you like yourself as the parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you don't think you will like yourself doing this to your child, chances are your child may not like it. And you need to change the way that you actually treat your children or, or attempt to help them, you know. Yeah. So, you know, what if it's an adult child, right? How is it then different for the parents to, in a way, kind of approach this situation if their adult child is the one that's going through depression? I think the, the question to ask themselves as parents is, am I able to help my child and what is the best help I can give to my child? I think the, the, the question we always want to ask ourselves is, what is the best help? If I'm not in a position to help my child, whether he's 5, 10, 15, 20, or even 30 or 50, I need to ask myself, what is the best help? Is referring him for professional help or mm-hmm. bringing him for professional help the best way? Yeah. Right. I think some parents, they feel their responsibility, you know, being parents, parents, being parents, they just want to be able to know that I can help my children irregardless of what age they are. But sometimes I think the honesty about themselves is, am I the best person to help them? Mm, and if I yeah. am not, what do I need to do to help them? Yeah. You know, so maybe getting somebody who can help them, referring them for professional help, that might be the best way. 
Yeah, that, that is a good yeah. question for parents to also consider. Yeah, I yeah. mean, which parent doesn't love their kids? And it doesn't matter how old they are, you know, they will yeah. always be their children. Yeah, they'll always be their baby. <laughs> yeah, and I do, I, do, I do sense many parents being helpless, you know, and they, they're just feeling so painful that they can't help their love. You know, they, they, they brought them up. Yeah. Our parents may even feel guilty and ask themselves, was I the one who raised my child wrong that he became or she became depressed? Yeah. You know, and I think parents need to let that go because like I, we, we talked about earlier, you know, depression is nobody's choice. Mm, you know, yeah. it just hits you and we just have to deal with it without being prejudiced to anybody. Yeah, no judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Good words. Okay. Third scenario, it's between a parent and a child where the parent is the one that's going through depression. I mean, depending on how old the child, you're talking about a young child with a parent or you're talking about adult child with a parent. Now, if you're talking about adult child with a parent, then yes, do what we did with the earlier segment. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about a young child, I think the young child probably might not even know what's happening to the parent. Yeah, They might just experience the negativity, the sadness of the parent. Children will feel guilty. They will feel worried first and then mm-hmm. they might feel guilty. Am I the one who caused mommy yeah, or daddy to become yeah. depressed? You know, and this is the time that I think the community, like, you know, children when they go to school, yeah. right, school counsellors, teachers, you know, they should pick this up and say, you know, what's going on with this child? Why is this child sad? Mm-hmm. Right? If you have family and relatives, you have siblings who are older, you know, if the child has siblings who are older and, and cousins or relatives, you know, I think this is where you chip in, you know, and be more concerned about your families, mm, right? Yeah. Now, I, I go back to the same thing about people are people, we need social connections, and these are our safeguards. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're alone, chances are you're more vulnerable to depression and your family is also more vulnerable to depression. I've had families where parents don't want to talk about depression of their children. You know, So a school counselor could have referred the child to us and they say this child's depressed. And when we talk to the parents, the parents say, no, my child's not depressed. This actually stops the child from getting the help that they need. Why, why is it that parents find it really hard to admit that their children is actually going through depression? I think sometimes parents have always the best intention for their children and yeah. children are like, you know, the, 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 the thing that they're most proud of in their life. And to realize that my child suddenly has depression or there's something wrong with my child, mm-hmm. they might be in denial or they might not want to face it. Mm. So this actually prevents help from being rendered to their children. And sometimes it is good, sometimes it is bad. But I think case by case, we need to look at it and we really need to determine in the best interest of the child. Mm, yeah. Okay. Simple question to ask the children is, are you happy? My son or my daughter, are you happy? You know, and if the child tells you I'm not happy, please be serious about it. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, I think as what we've discussed earlier in this episode, it seems that depression is something that is a family affair, a community affair. It not only affects the individual that's going through it, but the people around them as well. Um, and studies have shown that, you know, the family environment can play a very important and critical role in also determining the duration and the quality of the recovery. So what would your last piece of advice be for um, the individual themselves who is going through depression and as well as for the caregivers? I think, I think when we look at depression, one of the things that we might want to change our lenses is to not look at depression as depression, mm-hmm. but look at how do we help the people who are going through depression? Depression is not the problem. Our inability to deal with or manage or help the person or to to cope with the person in depression or cope with ourselves in depression is the problem, right? Caregivers may feel over-responsible. I mean, who who doesn't love their own loved ones, you know? And they they, they will never cease to stop wanting to help their loved ones. Mm -hmm. But... When they look at the person being depressed, are they looking at the person or are they looking at the depression? Mm, wow, yeah. So sometimes it's really looking at what can I do? Now, I may not be able to deal with the depression, but what can I do to make this, what can I do for this person? Now, if I am depressed personally, for example, then what is my own personal social responsibility? Am I ignorant about it? Am I in denial about it? Or am I, you know, uh, avoiding it? Let me step forward and let me face it and let me deal with it. Let me seek help. Now, these two go hand in hand because sometimes when I don't seek help, what am I giving to my family? What am I giving to my loved ones? If I want to give my family the best, being the best, being well is the best for them, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if I get myself treated, if I get myself well, 
my family gets me, a well person, right? Versus if I don't treat myself, my family gets a depressed person. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very important because if everybody practices this, chances are whether you're an individual at home, a family member, or you're a caregiver in a family, you're giving the best person to whoever you have to deal with or whoever you have to take care of. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're a parent and you're depressed, give the best parent, be well. Now, if you're a child, we need to help them if they're young. And if you're an adult child, help yourself. Mm-hmm. Get help from people so that you give the rest of the world the best of you. Yeah. I think end of the day, we all want to be well. We want to be healthy mentally, emotionally, so that we can be the best and give the best to the world. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Great advice. Great advice. Um, and that concludes today's episode on depression. So if you are going through a mental health distress, always remember that you should not be made to feel that your identity is defined solely by your mental health. So let us be a conscious community that learns to be more comfortable talking about our emotions and simply start asking people around us, how are you feeling, right? So please don't feel like you have to go through this alone. There are many genuine people out there who care for you and are willing to help you through this. If you or someone you know is seeking help for mental health related issues, here are some helplines in Singapore that you can contact. IMH, which is a 24 hotline at 6389-2222. The second alternative is chat. You can email them at chat at mentalhealth.sg. And the third alternative is SOS, which is a 24 hotline at 1-800-221-4444. So, you know, if you are in Malaysia, you can also contact the Mental Illness Awareness and Support Association, Miyasa for short. And if you are in other parts of the world, please, please approach the relevant mental health associations who will be able to help you out. So thank you so much, Honshin, for being here with us, sharing your insights. (laughs) And thank you so much, our dear listeners, for listening all the way through. And we hope that gave you insights on your journey of introspection. Share with us your insights on our Instagram, thegoodlife underscore podcast. Let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about and the guests you'd like us to have on our show. And please don't forget to follow our Instagram where you'll get updates on the new episode releases and the amazing life codes to motivate you on a daily basis so share this episode with your loved ones to spread the message of love and support for one another we can't wait for you to listen to the next episode in the meantime be bold be beautiful and stay the amazing you that you are take care everyone